It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, we're back from the All-Star break and looking ahead to the stretch drive for the Toronto Raptors. What are some of the things we're most interested to watch or keep track of? We'll dig into that. Plus, is All-Star totally broken? Is it worth fixing? Are there ways to fix it? We'll talk about it with someone who was there over the weekend in Salt Lake City, Katie Heindel. It's a whatevs Wednesday. Let's get to it. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1346, I think, of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, February the 22nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter, at WoodleySean. You can follow the show, rate it, subscribe, review, all that good stuff over on your favorite podcast apps for free. And, of course, we are on YouTube. We got a nice little surge lately of subscribers just beefing up the numbers on the channel. So please go over to Lockdown Raptors, hit the big red subscribe button, join the chorus of folks who have helped push us towards 3,000 subs over there on the tube. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. More on them a little later on. All right, let's get to it. On today's show, we are going to talk about All Star and, you know, all the various complaints about All Star. Pascal Siakam being everyone's best friend at All Star, the dunk contest, and more with Katie Heindel, who was there in Salt Lake City over the weekend. But we will start with your Toronto Raptors, who are preparing now for the 23 game stretch run to save the season and get into the playoffs, maybe even the sixth seed. And here to talk about it and talk about the things we're most excited to dig into is, of course, Katie Heindel. Katie, how the hell are you doing? so tired man (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if the tiredness is a combination of course you traveled over the weekend um but of course like the weather stinks it's february yeah yeah on the weekend (laughs) 
I mean, that's kind of the the joy of All Star, isn't it? Is to not sleep and hang out with your pals. I remember when it was in Toronto. I had a night where I slept in a Tim Hortons because I missed the last go bus back to Oshawa. And so I just hung out in the Tim Hortons after chatting with our pals, uh, Joseph Cacciaro and Jared Dubin in the hotel lobby till 4 a.m. And then realizing, oh, no, I missed the bus back. But that's all fun. It's all all star. I got home at like 7 a.m. on that first bus out. It was uh, not a great next day. Uh, Yeah, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. I will say, contrary to what um, Chuck... uh, Chuck said, you can have fun in Utah. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. You can somehow be out till three or later in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, To your point, maybe that's just in a little crevasse of uh, the hotel lobby with a bunch (laughs) of friends and like a flask going around. But uh, you can do it. Or maybe you're out at a... A speakeasy? Because nothing's open past 10 o'clock? Watching GMs (laughs) get loose in the basement. Um, But... You know, I did them all. <laughs> we'll have to uh, put like an exclusive paywall episode where we talk about the GMs getting loose for the people uh, or something like that. That's uh, a, f- a future project for us <laughs> to dig into. Katie, we'll talk about All-Star coming up in a sec here, but let's uh, dive in now. The Toronto Raptors tomorrow night will take on the New Orleans Pelicans uh, if the weather doesn't cancel the game because it seems like this storm is kind of a doozy that's coming in. Uh, but assuming everything's fine, the Raptors will take on the Pelicans tomorrow. They will go for a back-to-back in Detroit and Cleveland. Two games I'll be at this weekend, by the way, which I'm very excited about. Um, you know, st- setting up their final 23-game run here, potentially to the playoffs, likely to the play-in, maybe not to the play-in at all if uh, things go horribly awry here. But we've had a little bit of time now since the All-Star break. Sorry, since the trade deadline, Katie. Uh, we saw Jakob Pertl play three games with the Raptors. What are you sort of feeling here? I just We'll start big and we can maybe get more granular in particular things we're looking at going into the stretch run. But general sort of vibe check on the team as we get set here for the stretch drive, which, uh, spoiler alert, I think has the potential to be kind of fun. But where are you at? Vibe-wise, overall vibe-wise, I'll say... Um, I'm not ready to call it on three games. It does seem improved, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there's more people than just Pascal uh, and Jakob who like those vibes definitely improved. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of curious to see how this last stretch is for that. Mm-hmm. But I will say like big picture wise and totally just like off the top, those three games have been great. I'm ready to be like, yeah, Jakob. Mm-hmm. That's all we needed. I know that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. It really no, might be. <laughs> but you do see the kind of trickle down effects of like we've been talking about this all season. You know, when mm-hmm. it's like you need to. There's a there's there's a myriad problems, but like how about let's just focus on one. Mm-hmm. And like we have got a big man now in there. You know, and that does free up whether that's like making you know it's easing up spacing. Things are less congested. Uh, around the rim or you've just got somebody who is fine and happy to be knocked around under the basket and that doesn't have to be Scotty that doesn't have to be Pascal you know it frees them Mm -hmm. up to be like kind of loose and free and less bruised and making shots that's great and then you have this nice bonus of Jakob Pertl apparently just being like a lights out shooter so (laughs) (laughs) so that's good too that floater is, uh, it, truthfully, having, you know, I feel bad for the way things went with Kem Birch, but, yeah. like, yeah. when he was with the Raptors, it was all like, man, Kem Birch's floater is money, baby. That's a money floater. And then you see Yaka Pirtle come, and it's like, oh, no, that wasn't money. That's a money floater. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think, honestly... Yaka Pirtle does stand a chance of resolving more than just the one gaping problem that was with the team, which is they don't have a center. Like he, he, I do think there's like a trickle down effect of 
plopping him into the middle of the floor, having him be that backline of defense. You know, maybe he covers up for the lesser perimeter effect that, say, Fred Van Vliet's been having this season on the on, on the defensive side of things. You know, he covers up for the lack of very clear protection they've had all season long, putting Scotty Barnes in a position where maybe he's a little overextended, putting Pat, Precious Achua in a tough spot where at six foot nine he's asked to play like he's seven foot one, and sometimes you just can't do that. He's not long enough at times. Um, I, I do think there's like a real trickle down domino effect of Jakob Pertl arriving, not just the vibes, not just the friendship with Pascal, but just in terms of making the team make a lot more sense that I'm pretty excited about what this could be over the final 23 games. And look, it's all varying degrees of excitement, right? Do I think they're going to go on a run and go win playoff series and make a deep run? Absolutely not. They're, they're, it's too far gone for that. The the seeding is not going to be in their favor. They're going to have to go on the road, most likely if they make the playoffs, to either Boston or Milwaukee in the first round. And that's going to be really, really difficult. But I still think there's plenty of joy to be gleaned from these final 23 games. And more importantly, I think information to be collected about what the next Raptors team is going to look like and who on this team is going to fit into the long-term plans. Um, is there a particular player, Katie, who you are most intrigued to watch down the stretch here as far as how he fits in, as far as how these next 23 games are going to dictate his future with the team? Obviously, three guys we thought might get traded at the deadline come to mind, uh, many of whom are free agents in a couple of months. Where are you at in terms of like guys of intrigue for you down the stretch here? Probably Fred, honestly. Yeah. I think um, in terms of fit and role, uh, to see you know if this can sort of if that trickle down effect we both mentioned can ease some of his shooting woes, you know, and some of the other frustrations I think he's had this season, mm-hmm. um, both like on and potentially off the court, and I mean off the court probably just in his role, like his larger role with the team. Yeah. You know, um, because you've, you've now said you're the front office. You've now said, okay, we're not giving up on this kind of, this like long and gangly structure of dude that we want to make our team out of. But we've also realized we need, we need like a kind of an anchor point in Mm -hmm. in getting a center. And that could make, you know, that could make somebody like Fred's life a little bit easier. Um, So, and I'm I'm generally just kind of curious to see how he. The caveat is I don't think I'm not saying this in that he hasn't been bought in all season, mm-hmm. but it does certainly seem like you know he's he's just he's getting ready to negotiate, yeah. so his position is going to be one of like well you've got to make me an offer that makes that compels me to stay, mm-hmm. but I wonder if how we're going to basically like see him play out these next uh, 23 games, but probably that one the most closely because the other guys. Um, those fits seem a bit more natural to me. You know, I right. can see them really flourishing here down this stretch. Like it's an easy year schedule. You know, you've had, you've kind of had this natural break of all-star. You've got like a new guy in the system. They're practicing a ton, mm-hmm. like more than we've ever seen them. Certainly at like the early half of the season. Right. <laughs> so that just shows me they're trying to really accelerate something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Fred would probably be the closest uh, person I'd, I'm going to watch. Yeah, I think Fred's a really intriguing one. Obviously, they have a decision with him in the offseason. Mm-hmm. You know, part of it's going to be his decision as well if he opts out. We'll see what happens there. You look, though, around the league at like the cap space teams, and I think you're kind of realizing why the Raptors decided to hold off on making the move with either him or Gary at the deadline. Like, There's just not a whole lot of cap space out there and a lot of really bad teams that have it, and I don't know if they're going to be the types of teams that can lure a Fred Van Vliet or a Gary Trent Jr. Uh, and so really, I, I think they're, they're kind of smart here to hold their cards and, and see 
what happens on the sign and trade market and keep the option if things go really well here of keeping them around and paying everybody and then figuring it out the sort of cap crunch which will come in 2024 Mm -hmm. a little bit later um i think for me I want to dive in a little bit to OG Ananobi and where he kind of slots in, because I think he's fascinating. We will do that in just one second. We will get to All-Star and whatnot as well, but I find this ever interesting, because this team is bizarre, and I don't think I've ever covered a team quite like this in my entire life. We will get to OG Ananobi, why he's intriguing me, and some other big storylines to watch down the stretch. Before we do that, got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, who are making daily fantasy sports fun, easy, accessible, and not a drag to play. I hate fantasy sports. The season-long version in particular doesn't do it for me. I don't like having to set my lineup every day. I'm very forgetful. I procrastinate, and then all of a sudden, I've forgotten there's a morning game in Europe that I I've totally blanked on setting my lineup for, and then all of a sudden my week is ruined. Not for me. With de- with prize picks, it's daily fantasy. You pick two to six players in any entry, and it's just you against the projections. Are they going to get more or less in their projection for points, rebounds, threes made, whatever it might be? You can put it on your entry. You can do multi-sport entries as well. It's not just the NBA. You can go all over the world with all the various leagues, you know, from disc golf to uh, European soccer and, and college basketball, women's college basketball, the WNBA, esports even. It's all there. You can make your entries. It's very quick. You can make those entries in 60 seconds or less. You have safe and fast withdrawals for your money and your winnings. And currently, they're operational in over 30 states and in Canada and every province except for Ontario at the moment. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up today and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. That is a wonderful deal. It just appears in your account to hang out with your original $100. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 with prize picks. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. And we continue on here with your first listen of the day, Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, uh, let's dig in here, Katie, to OG Ananobi, because I think for me, he's my most interesting guy to watch down the stretch. It's been a bit of a weird year. He was obviously very good to start the season, deservedly in defensive player of the year conversations. Since about the new year, his role has kind of tailed off. He's become pretty clearly the number five option in the starting five when he's been on the floor. His usage has dipped below 20%. And for me, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because I think OG is a really excellent complimentary piece who does role player things as well as anybody in the entire league. And where things kind of lose the ropes a little bit for me are when he gets a little bit 
you know, expansive with his offensive creation, which just is not as good as the other guys on the team. And it's just not a good allocation of possessions if you're trying to maximize each game and win every game. Um, I do wonder if the arrival of Jakob Pertl will, again, sort of have this domino effect where the starting five is going to change. I would assume OG is going to keep on starting. Why would he not start when he's back? I think they're going to roll with the Fred, OG, Scotty, Pascal, Jakob Pertl starting five most of the time. There might be matchups where they bring out Pertl in, in lieu of the smaller starting mm-hmm. five we've seen most of this season. But I do think that's going to be the starting five. I think Gary Trent Jr. with Chris Boucher and Precious Achua and whomever, whether it's Thad Young, Malachi Flynn, that to me comprises a really nice-looking bench lineup. And if you can mm-hmm. roll an eight- or nine-man rotation... In theory, if Nick Nurse plays ball, you can still have Gary Trent Jr. play starter minutes. You can still have these guys play heavy minutes and not have to overtax the starters, which has been the issue all season long. You get that nice all-star break. You don't want to dive right back into playing them 41 minutes a night, ideally. And so I think if they're able to orchestrate that kind of rotation where you have Jakob Pertl as your starting center. He's obviously a low-usage guy. He's not going to demand the ball. He's just going to clean up the garbage for you, get easy buckets for you on the end of possessions. He is a perfect fifth option for a starting lineup, especially one with a lot of high-usage guys. I also think with the extra playmaking you're going to see from Jakob Pertl in the middle of the floor, that Scotty, Pascal, Yak front court, the way that could leverage the floor, it tilted in the, the favor of a guy like OG. I think there's a world in which OG kind of rediscovers his early season offensive form in like a more productive fashion in a bit more of a sort of set role, but like a higher volume role player situation than he's had so far this year and becomes once again a guy who we kind of figure is a no-brainer part of the core going forward. The downside here is that the issues with overlap of skills and the tension for touches on the floor only gets amplified because there's another good player on the floor. Where do you kind of see this one going, Katie? Because like I could see this one running all sorts of outcomes from the Raptors. Figure it out. OG finds his role on this team. He's not competing with Gary Trent Jr. for those sort of third or fourth option touches anymore because they're not sharing the floor quite as much. And you see OG rediscover like, okay, this guy's obviously a part of the plans going forward. Or the downside here is things don't go well and he gets moved at the draft for what he might have gotten moved for at the deadline. Um, where do you see this one going if you're reading your OGN and OB related tea leaves uh, you know, and what's your sort of level of intrigue in his close to the season? I mean, as somebody who who wants uh, OGN and OB to stay and who, I, who has wanted him to find a role um, like what I think has always been his role, which is a large role in this team, you know, since he was, a, I don't know, since... He was trapped since forever. Yeah. It's like there's, he never has had that yet. Um, I think it, it does like behoove the franchise to figure it out and like figure mm-hmm. out a role for him. You've got a really unique skill set, you know, in, in a guy who you haven't seen play this way the entire time you've had him on your roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That can also be intriguing for a trade in terms of what the return could get you but you've also now seen the sure thing of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's such a stretch to like make a set role for him. And like, let's also say that like nobody, maybe even not even Jakob, like is going to have a set role on this team. Like that's not really, mm-hmm. you know, the Raptors MO right now, certainly under like this coaching staff. <laughs> so as set as he can. And I think all that is, is clarity. And again, mm-hmm. like that's something that's just been missing from the team so much this season in terms of direction, in terms of like asks, uh, in terms of what, you know, what, how the front office sees this team shaking out. And when you were going over the bench, it's like, oh, right. That feels like much more solid Mm 
-hmm. already than what they've had to work with all season. And that's just with one move, right? Mm -hmm. And ostensibly there'll be something else in the summer. Maybe that's Gary Trent Jr. Uh, but to me, I think, you know, you understand the value uh, that a person like OG gives you on the floor, mm -hmm. you know, and like also just like, you know, there's not just like the defensive capabilities, but all the things that you can pull out, presumably in a playoff series in the future, not this yeah. year, but in the future, <laughs> because that's where you want to get back to again, right? Mm -hmm. And he makes you a much more challenging team um, series to series, which like mm -hmm. that's all like that's you know, at a very granular level, that's what the playoffs are about. It's like treating every series like its own, like treating every game almost like its own series and then treating every series just like a completely unique animal itself, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of that really made sense, but. <laughs> no, I mean, he's a playoff-ass player. It's, it's, it totally scattered. checks out. He's a really um, good playoff player. He I just think is, you got to yeah. Yeah, like you got to do the due diligence on OG. It would mm -hmm. be, it seems really stupid to me right now to be like, all right, see ya. Yeah, I mean, I will say, going into the deadline, I thought the right move was to try to cash in and get as much in return for OG as you possibly could, considering the bidding war that seemed like might be percolating between mm -hmm. a lot of contenders. I thought, hey, maybe this is your time. It's a bit of a proactive move. Maybe it seems premature, but maybe in hindsight, it will be something that you're happy you did. I am ultimately... Very eager to be proven wrong, thinking that was the thing that they should do. And obviously, these 23 games are going to have a big part in the say of whether or not it was the right decision or not to move move on from him at the deadline. I still think they're going to get pretty much a, a similar amount back if they were to trade for him in, or trade him at the draft, you know, mm -hmm. just because that's how things roll. But I, I, I would love nothing more than to be proven wrong in thinking that OG getting traded was the move for this team. And if he can just find a place where there's just like this they can just kind of find a copacetic balance of where his role is versus what he wants it to be that would be fantastic I, and it's hard right like a lot of this is going to be and i think this kind of goes to the other big question here is like nick nurse there's a lot on this dude for the final 23 games he's got mm -hmm. to manage the personalities he's got to convince players to play lesser roles to come off the bench like i'm sure the conversations with gary trent jr if that's in fact the plan i've already been happening and you know Credit to Gary. He's been super bought in all season long. I don't think he's gotten enough credit for that. He's been super eager to just kind of do whatever the team asks of him and has kind of gone under the radar for that quality, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, he's got to manage the personalities. He's also got to manage the game plan and, like, adapt things to Jakob Pertl. Are they going to change the defense? Are they going to go further into their defense because they have Jakob Pertl as a backstop now? What does that look like? Are they able to, like, if they do stick with their sort of aggressive style... Mm -hmm. Is the addition of Jakobertel enough to make that style sing the way it has for long stretches in the past, back to 2019-20, 2021-22 last year? Like, this is a massive stretch for Nick Nurse. I don't think it's a crazy thing to suggest that his future with the team is as on the line in the next 23 games as any of the players. And how he adapts with the new players he has on the roster, the new different you know versatility they can operate with, I think is going to be... Super interesting. Katie, any last quick parting shots on notes of intrigue before we move into all-star talk? I think Nurse is another one, mm -hmm. honestly. Like, you've yeah. got a pretty, um, you got a lesser challenging stretch of games now. Yeah, He's been experimenting all season. I know some people are sick of it, but, like, I would say this is kind of the time where you should. But also, you need to, you need to start solidifying things so that people understand their value to the team and you mm -hmm. know that what their roles are especially going into the off season do you want to make a run how are you going to coach through that like you always say and it's a great point like he is a 
good playoff coach. Mm-hmm. But like where we've seen him struggle this season is in the regular games. Yeah. I don't think you know his trust and his time is totally up with the front office, but I do think that there were more clear-cut questions mm-hmm. around him, you know, this season. So I'm curious to watch him too, how he how he handles it. It will be extremely, uh, I don't know, interesting is one word for it, nerve-wracking uh, <laughs> to, to see if they could pull this thing together. Um, I, I, I like the players they have on this team. I would mm-hmm. like to see if they could keep most of these guys around and build something like they built a decade ago with a team that seemed like it might be stagnating and yet still kind of had internal growth, figured itself out, and went on a long run of sustained success, which I think ultimately is the thing you got to shoot for here. It's not, can you win a championship? It's, can you have sustained success? And mm-hmm. I think that is still on the table here, but these next 23 games are going to be extremely determinative of what that is. Did I just make up a word? Perhaps I did. Uh, I think that's one. All right. You, this, you, but... You're better at words than me, so I'll take your word for it. Uh, right. We're going to come back on the other side, Katie. Talk all-star. We'll talk about Pascal Siakam being everybody's best pal. We'll talk about the dunk contest and fixing the all-star game, whether it needs to be fixed at all. We'll get to that in just one sec. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who, of course, you know by now, make the best-tasting protein bars in the game. I am having a hard time lately with my eating habits. I've been really trying to get back on the wagon of eating good and healthy foods and not snacking late, but I'm having a hell of a time doing it because have you seen the weather outside? Have you seen the world? I like to eat my feelings. Built Bar helps me eat my feelings without having to feel too, too badly about it. They have really wonderful flavors across the board. Peanut butter brownie remains my absolute favorite. It's totally wonderful, but they have tons of great flavors. Fruity confections. They've got marshmallow. They've got the granola bars as well. It's all there for you. They have 130 calories in your average bar, just 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. So you can actually feel good about eating something that feels not good at all. It really is the, the the miracle bar, frankly. Go get yourself some Built Bars right now. They are available at Walmart. Just walk into the pharmacy section, pick yourself up a box of Built Bars. You get the four boxes of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, all down the line. They're wonderful flavors. You can go and check them out today. They're also at Built.com. But stroll over to your local Walmart. If you're getting ready for the storm that's hitting southern Ontario over these next couple of days, you want to stock up on goods, Built Bars at Walmart are the way to do it. Go check them out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here. Katie Heindel, Whatevs Wednesday, rolls on, moving into the all-star talk portion of the podcast. Didn't know we were going to go 20 minutes on the Raptors, but (laughs) I find them to be an endlessly fascinating basketball team, and I suppose on this here Toronto Raptors podcast, we should talk about the endlessly fascinating basketball team. With that, though, all-star. Katie, we'll start on the Raptors-y note. Pascal Siakam uh, seemed to have himself a pretty good time. Love whenever a guy on your team is one of the foremost sideline celebrators and faces during the dunk contest, especially when it's a good dunk contest. Pascal and his camcorder are going to live on forever, <laughs> it seems. Um, obviously, Scotty Barnes was there on uh, the for the rookie game, the Rising Stars game on Friday night as well. What were your Raptors-y impressions of all-star? Pascal Siakam's star power, him being everybody's best 
best friend, it seems. Him seemingly just like enjoying the concerts and the music and hanging out in a way that maybe you don't often see the All Stars. Uh, what were your What was your read? What was your Cole's notes on Pascal Siakam's All Star Weekend performance? Because this is what it is. You got to be an All Star. How was he at being an All Star, Katie? I do like how involved like they they had him be. Um, you know, for the introductions of. Mm. I think like uh, the BAL's presence and then also for like the halftime, which was cool. There was like mm-hmm. a weird moment where like he, I don't know if he was supposed to speak after they like ran a little montage, but he spoke, he like was cut off and I was like, oh God, like, <laughs> like <laughs> Pascal. But then he, he spoke after. Um, mm-hmm. I think my main impression was just how like easy and comfortable and confident he seemed all weekend. Like anytime mm-hmm. I saw him, you know, whether that's in the like big tangle of all-star like media availabilities, which is always such a funny free for all. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd say he really like only seconded Nikola Jokic, who is just like that all the, who just is like, does not, you know, (laughs) doesn't care in a way where I don't mean he's like aloof and too cool. He's just like, still always is like, "Eh, what am I doing here? You know, (laughs) Pascal and like is amazing and just like so funny and endearing Mm -hmm. for that. But Pascal, I think on the other hand, is just like super loose super confident like mm-hmm. just uh it was nice to see how happy he was there and then, like to your point it was nice to see how embraced he was in the game um probably like one of the highlights of the game aside from like the uh Jalen Brown Jason Tatum kind of matchup that happened mm-hmm. which you probably hate hearing but um that was I didn't watch the all-star game so okay. uh I, I'm not worried about it at all <laughs> watching them pick pick each other up on defense and have a little bit of fun with it mm-hmm. it's like that's what you want out of the all-star game is to just kind of glimpses I think into you know f- funny player interactions and mm-hmm. like you know bright sort of bursts instead of just like this non-stop dragging on event um <laughs> but yeah i think it was you didn't great. like the draft it took i loved the draft okay you didn't probably you the highlight one of the people who thought it down. took too bloody long it did take too long um mm. everything the all-star game is too long i think mm. that's my solution you shorten it somehow but uh no pascal was good i thought scotty uh you know he i thought he i didn't unfortunately make it to the rising stars game i was getting a tattoo <laughs> <laughs> After like a whirlwind day of just like interviewing a million people. Mm-hmm. But um, Scotty, super happy to be there. I think played well. I liked how he tried to get everybody in on the celebration when they won, when his team won. Um, I think overall it was like a, certainly like a quieter or like less impactful Raptors presence than we've mm-hmm. seen in past All-Stars. But I think that's totally fine and par for the course. Yeah. The highlight for me was probably Pascal, like in a ode to Shaq with the camcorder. I was like, where oh, did yeah. he even get, like who picked this up for him? Yeah. Like that looks like the one my somebody mom got that has. For him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is like, I want to know who did, but like somebody definitely got that for him. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Giannis, like Giannis just with his baby all the time, like, sh- like recording and yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Pascal beside him. Uh, I thought that was great. You know, that's my favorite part of the dunk contest is watching the players get more and more into it. at the sidelines. Oh yeah. Just swarming um, the court ever more per yeah. dunk. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, I think that's like probably it. Oh, and I guess I should, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. Was it the Raptors, uh, trainings? Like they had some trainers there, coaching okay. staff in the all-star game. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm sorry you didn't get vacation Raptors training staff, man. You've been working really hard all year. This is your time to relax, but apparently not go, uh, tend to some, uh, ailing, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers players if you have to, um, 
I just, for me, just, you know, watching All-Star Saturday, which I did watch uh, and care about a lot because the dunk contest is great, when it, even when it's bad, but it was great. So it was, it was amazing. Um, I, it just feels like, to me, Pascal's kind of moved into the tier of guy that, like, everybody just kind of respects and likes. Mm-hmm. And he's just very convivial. He just seems like he's having a good time. He seems like a very good ambassador for All-Star Weekend. And that's just a really nice thing to see. He's a guy who has kind of emerged. His his arc has been so unique and, and like unlike any player I think we've seen in recent history, maybe in NBA history, just from where he began to where he is now, the ups and downs, the sort of nadirs of his career and the, and the peaks that have come after it. Um, just a, a, kind of a another sort of feather in the cap to see Pascal kind of move into like the prestige zone of cool all-star guys that everybody likes and everyone mm-hmm. agrees is cool. Obviously, I think he kind of has a rep as like, the summer runs guy as well from all the Rico Hines stuff where he cooks everybody all summer every year. Um, just, yeah, very cool. That that was a highlight to see Pascal Siakam just be everyone's pal, uh, which is nice. Maybe he'll recruit some pals to Toronto one day. Um, let's uh, talk quickly about alterations to the All-Star format. This is all anyone can talk about, Katie, is all oh, the All-Star game. That ah, is bad. We got to change it. How do we fix the All-Star game? Um, I think I have less strong opinions on this than most. I think the All-Star game is fine as it is. I just accept it for what it is. Sometimes it'll be good, and that's fun. Sometimes it's going to be a joke, and that's also fine. It's not really what I tune in for. If the dunk contest is good, All-Star weekend's a success in my books. But uh, where are you at as far as, like, the you were there. You saw it all play out, the game everybody complained about, and, and you know, by all accounts, rightfully so. Um are there changes you'd make to the format? Is there something you think is just like not working? Uh, curious as someone who is an all-star aficionado who is there pretty routinely, Katie, um, what's your sort of stance on whether there should be some alterations and changes to the format? And what what would you like to see if there were going to be those alterations? See, the funniest thing to me is like, I was sort of shocked that like for a crowd wise, Saturday mm. night was the busiest. Media wise, yeah. it was a bit scattershot. Okay. It was the reverse, I'd say, for the All-Star game itself. I can't speak to, like, the ticketing. The ticket prices may have been out of reach for some. You know, like, it seemed full enough. Mm-hmm. But the energy was a lot different for the All-Star game. Whereas, like, for media, that's where, like, the most people are showing up to, which I thought kind of interesting because it's, like, I don't know if that's just the name or, like, the prestige. Whereas, like, the more enticing and exciting events are always on Saturday night because I feel mm-hmm. like there's more opportunities for there to be upset for things to go wrong, for something kind of funny or like amazing to happen, which yeah. is what happened with Mac McClung. Whereas in the All-Star game, there's an expectation of like, you already know what's going to happen. The mm-hmm. most exciting thing this year, obviously, is like picking the teams, mm-hmm. um, which I think did take a little too long. I liked the pageantry of it because again, like you're you're letting like LeBron is like a stellar showman, mm-hmm. but like you have like Giannis with his like book. <laughs> when, John Morant, when John Morant's not on stage, you know, and just like <laughs> that, I think, but like that shows you why that's the most interesting or funny part is because it goes a little bit off script. Right. And again, like the All Star game does not tend to go off script. I think, you know, I don't know if it's a thing where you like have the Elam ending in every quarter where you mm. don't have as many quarters. To me, like as someone who was the last All Star game I was at was in Chicago. That was a great All Star game. And mm. I would argue, non Homerism. Kyle Lowry in that game taking charges again adds some like adds an element that's unexpected. 
That right? was the best part of this weekend. It was people really living. I think Fred Katz was like, uh, yeah. Kyle actually saved the All-Star game, not well, the Elam ending. The retroactive appreciation of <laughs> Kyle Lowry being a maniac is very well, nice to me. Because he also like, roused <laughs> reactions from LeBron James and James Harden, mm-hmm. who were genuinely frustrated and yeah. upset by the fact that like, what are you doing playing defense? It's different to try and get other guys to like buy into that. I mm-hmm. don't think money is the answer. I don't think no. you can say, like, especially if it's like, this is a game for charity. You yeah. can't incentivize. And like how much money would you actually have to give to incentivize players when like these are the superstars of the league? Yeah. They're, they're making enough money, right? That's like they're mm-hmm. having they're like they're there, they were voted there, they understand that. I yeah, mean, a like, cool mill might matter a lot to like Tyrese Halliburton, who's on yes. a rookie contract, but yeah. he's also going to get a supermax in the next couple of years. Yeah. So like does it really matter? Like this year's, I guess, like I saw some stats this morning that it was like the steepest decline across like the board since 2000. Mm. And of course, this is worrying. Like it's worrying for the NBA because, yeah, to them, it is an entry point. And I heard some people arguing like about this is I, I well, I disagree with a lot of the points. I do understand that like the All-Star game is the entry point for the NBA for a lot of people who don't watch basketball games and maybe sure. will tune into the All-Star game. Yeah. Um, and also for people that are like going to come out and watch it because it's like yeah. kind of the most bang for your buck. Like, when are you going to see this many superstars, like, play in one game? Mm-hmm. So, to me, because you can't be, like, play harder, play yeah. better, you know, <laughs> play defense to these yeah. guys. They'll be like, no, thank you. I don't want to get hurt, you know. Um, LeBron, I think, did get hurt. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. that's not good. But I think you have to look at what you can do. Maybe you just shorten it, honestly. I don't know yeah. if that's, like, oversimplifying it, but with how long the game in person felt. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I don't think that was just like it felt long because it was like the halftime show and like all the other entertainment around it. It just, it was, it felt, it was longer. Like it took a really long time. And then at the end, when you have just guys like hucking up like more than half court shots to try and end the game, I think that happened like six times. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, yeah. (laughs) Then you're kind of like, (laughs) then you are literally, it feels like a throwaway game with the move. Like they're throwing the ball away, they're throwing the game away. So, yeah. Um, to me, short. It's like it. it devolves into Houston Rockets ball, which yes. nobody wants. Yes. Um, it just seems like the most because of everything else. I don't know how or what you would do. Yeah, like I don't think you need to make grand sweeping changes to the Saturday night. I would like the skills challenge to make some sense. I think there is a world in which the skills challenge is good. Think back to two thousand five, six, seven, when it was actually like, oh, there's an obstacle course here. They have to throw passes. It's not like you miss three passes and you get to skip through it and all that. It's uh, it, there's a real sensical tournament format to it. I like it. I think there's a chance for that to work. The Saturday night stuff, I'm totally fine with. For me, I think there's a couple potential solutions to the Saturday, to the, the Sunday thing. Uh, a, you could just like not have the game and instead uh, make that be the end of the in-season tournament whenever that comes in and have that be like a big blow. You announce the All-Stars. You say, here are the starters. Here are the guys who made the All-Star team. Maybe they're there. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're having vacation. And then the big main event is the final of the tournament on the Sunday. That would rock. I'd be totally down for that. That makes a big spectacle of it. It makes it into uh, something that maybe people will start to care about in pretty short order, which I think has kind of been the the detractors' worry about the, the midseason tournament is no one's going to care about this. Well, if you make it matter, if you make it seem like it's a big deal, then people will treat it like a big deal. You could also... I, I heard this... I can't remember where I heard this suggestion. It might have been on the low post, um, but... The three-on-three idea I like, like a three-on-three half-court tournament. I know our pal John Corrales from Locked On Celtics mentioned half-court as an option too, just to prevent the lackadaisical transition defense you often see in the All-Star game. 
And I like the idea of like using the big three format uh, where you pick teams, you get three, you know, teams of three or four and, you know, you have one sub or whatever it is and you make that the way you do it. I don't think the one-on-one idea that's out there would really be all that good because I think mm-hmm. it would devolve into just chucking threes. And I think you'd get a lot of guys not participating because they don't want to look bad by losing in the first round of the one-on-one tournament. You know, they didn't even want to get picked last in the draft on TV. Uh, and so I so feel sad. the one-on-one would have. That was the worst part. I hate Just I like so you're, you're fine. You're the best basketball players in the world. You're fine to get picked last. (laughs) When it happened in the NHL with Phil Kessel, he got picked last, and it was like a cool, funny thing, and everyone laughed about it, and he was drunk, and it was great. Um, You know, it doesn't have to be a bad thing to be picked last. You can make a joke out of it. You're the top 24 players on the earth. I would argue when he thought Mm -hmm. he was literally the last person on stage and just moved himself to LeBron's team, picked himself (laughs) to LeBron's team, but then he, like, forgot that Laurie was up there. Right, right. Um, Yeah, you know, I don't think there's a perfect fix to it. I think you just got to kind of accept it for what it is and realize that in a league where everyone can watch any game they want now and it's not like you're only seeing the stars of the league on all-star weekend and maybe once or twice throughout the season uh it just doesn't have the same sort of luster and that's okay just accept it for what it, what it is we don't need to spend three days relitigating the exhibition game for fun times and add partnerships uh after every all-star game i would say um Katie, any last one more suggestion yes actually i thought of this what if you switched the teams at the half what if you like, like scrambled the you just like scrambled. put all the names in a hopper and we're like uh surprise new teams like yeah. boggle yeah. yeah something like that you don't redraft them because it's going to take mm-hmm. too long like you don't have mm-hmm. that whole process but uh yeah what if you switched it up just like ceremonial trades uh between the two captains well they like, offered them trades but Giannis right. was like no i'm happy <laughs> you know way to not <laughs> yes and that one Giannis. Yeah. uh we're gonna <laughs> I think wrap it there, Katie. This was fun. It was great catching up. Uh, loved all your your dispatches from All Star. Everyone, go check out Katie in the freaking New York Times as well. Talking yeah, dunk contest. Uh, promote too. away. <laughs> what you got to promote other than the New York Times, which I guess is the biggest thing anyone can promote. Yeah, you can uh, read the story I wrote on the dunk contest uh, in favor of the dunk contest vehemently, I would say, in the New York Times Magazine. Uh, if you missed the Sunday in print, that's fine. It's online. Uh, I also, from All-Star, interviewed Tyrese Maxey, Buddy Heal, yeah. and Jordan Clarkson. Those are all on dime. Um, I have a sort of a recollective dispatchy thing that I wrote in a fugue state at Basketball Feelings. I'll probably have another one of those. <laughs> Hopefully a little bit more coherent uh, this week. I think that's it for now, but I'll have some more stuff coming out of uh, this past weekend. Amazing. Uh, thanks so much, Katie. It was lovely having you. Everyone go check out Katie's stuff. You can find me at Woodley Sean oh, on Twitter. Oh, I yeah. did an interview also on NPR. All yes. So you, and Spud Webb is on that too. And we are both, of course, talking about the dunk contest. Incredible. Uh, everyone go read Katie's stuff. Find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, follow, rate, review the show for free. Wherever you get your podcast, it's much appreciated. And uh, let's uh, get ready. We'll be back tomorrow. Vivek Jake will be along. We will play a game of what's more likely to prepare for the final 23 games of the season. That'll be fun. And we will round up the week with a look at that Pelicans game on Friday as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Thursday. What? Yeah, Thursday. Another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.